Hey there, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. I'm ready. Let's go to John chapter 10, verse 11. If you guys don't have a Bible or you guys don't have the Bible app, pretty sure you guys are going to have it up here. John chapter 10, verse 11. Um, I read from the only um, version that is true. If any other pastor tells you that that version, that they don't like it, um, just tell them Pastor Almarie said that this version is only true and it is the NLT version. (laughs) Uh, John chapter 10, verse 11. Do we have it or can we read it? Yes. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. Look at your neighbor and tell them, Jesus is the good shepherd. So today is an auspicious day here at Kuhau as we celebrate Pastor's Day. I mean, you guys are so blessed with three amazing pastors that are so giving and selfless and that they embody Christ in every form. I mean, as we celebrate Pastor's Day, I wanted to bring a message about who Jesus is and him being the good shepherd. And you may be asking me, well, Pastor Almarie, what does shepherd have to do with pastor? Well, let me tell you. See, the word pastor in the Old Testament was actually interchangeable with the word shepherd. So anytime you read shepherd, it actually means a pastor was anyone that would take care of their flock. And maybe you're looking around and you're like, I'm not a flock, then why are they pastors? We'll slow our roll. We'll get there later. (laughs) Uh, But as we go into the story, I want to open up the scenario as what's going on when Jesus begins to say in John chapter 10 that he is the good shepherd. And John, in the gospel of John chapter 8, he opens up and tells us what's going on. And it tells us that he's coming down from the mountain of olives and that he was that he went into the temple and that soon a crowd began to gather around and he began to teach them as Jesus does. And as he's teaching them, the Pharisees come to bring a woman who had been caught in surprise and adultery to Jesus so that she could be stoned. Jesus goes back and forth with the Pharisees. The woman doesn't get stoned. We know this. Um, He walks a little bit more. He teaches a little bit more. Then he heals a blind man. And then the Pharisees come and confront and they try to um, interrogate the blind man who is no longer blind. Um, And then the Pharisees, as they do, try to interrogate him. Then they interrogate Jesus. And then Jesus opens up in John chapter 10 and he talks about the good shepherd. One thing I want you to know as you're reading this and as you, you're going with your journey with Jesus is that everything that we read in the Gospels in the order that we read it has a purpose. In the order that we read it, it has a purpose. In the order that they wrote it, I want you to know that there is a divine order for that. In the same way that there is a divine order that before Jesus says that he is the good shepherd, he first doesn't allow the woman caught in adultery to be stoned and he then goes and heals uh, the blind man's eyes is the same way that there are things that occur in your life that is never coincidental. Everything in your life happens for divine purpose. Everything happens for a divine purpose. Every way that you've taken, every accident that you've avoided, every place that you've visited, every church that you've gone through, and every place that you've stayed is because of divine appointment. Nothing is by coincidence in your life. You may be asking yourselves, well, why did it take me so long to get to this place? 
divine appointment. God needed to prepare you before you got here. Right? There were things that needed to occur in your life before you got ready to be open and receptive enough for you to be here today. So today I just want to share with you three quick things that I think that this, that this message uh, that God is speaking to us. Number one is that the good shepherd protects. I'm going to drink water real quick because I'm thirsty. <laughs> Before Jesus begins to utter um, the parable and begins to talk about him being the good shepherd, we have to understand that he started off in the Mountain of Olives. He comes down. He's teaching at the temple. And when he's teaching at the temple, he finds himself with a scenario. And there's a woman that is brought to him that was caught in adultery. And that's very important. Because it never says that they brought the two people that were caught in adultery. They just brought the woman that was caught in adultery. See, the law stated, I'm sorry, I'm a big nerd, so I'm going to give you a little bit of information before I preach to you. Is that okay with you guys? Okay. (laughs) So in the law, when someone was caught in the act of adultery, which was having uh, relations outside of marriage, Um, with someone that was not your covenant partner, you had to be stoned. But not just the person that was just engaging or the woman, both people had to be stoned. Now, it's funny that the Pharisees come and they bring them, bring the woman to Jesus, and there's never a mention that the man was brought to Jesus. See, the story says she was caught in adultery. She was caught in the act. The original says she was caught in the act of adultery, and no one can adulter with themselves. That's kind of weird, right? (laughs) So they bring them to Jesus to see if they could trap him, and they begin to recite the law to him. And if we know anything about scriptures and we know anything that God is always trying to convey something deeper to us. So anytime you see a woman in a story, especially before Jesus, she can symbolize the church. See, many times there are going to be people that's going to try to accuse the church, but the accuser is never there. Right? And here we go. The Pharisees come and they bring them to Jesus. Right? And in the midst of it, this woman is here caught in between the letter of the law and the word made flesh. Right? She's caught in between them. She's caught and they're telling her, they're telling Jesus, Jesus, what should should we do? Moses said that the moment that she is caught, we have to stone her. So she's caught in between what Moses said and now she's in front of the man who's the actual word made flesh. And what is it that Jesus does? Jesus goes ahead and he goes to the floor. He begins to write on the dirt. And the Bible says that he begins to tell them and he opens up with a statement. And the statement is, he who is free of sin, let him cast the first stone. And we use this verse so many times and we preach about it so many times, right? And you're like, no, everyone, let's throw away our stones, right? But what's important here is that we have to realize something. Is that his protection will look like disqualification to the world's standards, His protection will look like disqualification to the world's standards. Why? When they asked 
Jesus, when the Pharisees ask Jesus, what should we do? He makes a statement that makes it seem as if he's getting ready to disqualify the ones that could not versus the ones that could. But in reality, he was disqualifying all of them. See, any moment that you go through a season in your life where you felt like you were being disqualified, it was God's protection over you. Every no, every closed door, every broken relationship, every person that hurt you, every job that rejected you, every church that threw you to the side, every person that said you weren't good enough. Come on, do I have any people in the room? Every people that disqualified you was a protection from God. So we walk around sometimes so upset at the master and so upset at Christ and so upset because we didn't get our way when we don't understand that if we would have gotten our way, our way would have led to death. And sometimes in order for him to protect you, he has to disqualify you from the world's standards. He has to disqualify you from the world's standards. And that was something that for me, if you've met me, I am the world's most stubborn person in the world. Right? You tell me I can't do something and I will prove to you. I will go to the Greek and Hebrew to prove to you that I can do it. Right? That is so true, right? But yet I've come to realize that every time that God that I was being disqualified for something and every time I was being denied something that I felt was supposed to be mine, I realized the issue was that I was never surrendering my will to the Lord. I was giving him my plans and I was giving him my little uh, agenda or giving him, this is what I want to do. I want you to bless this. Think about it. The Pharisees, they come to Jesus and they're like, this is what we want to do. We want you to bless this. And he goes and he disqualifies it. They're like, they were right by the law's standard. If she was caught in adultery, she had to be stoned. But he goes and he flips it on his head. He changes the scene and he becomes pivotal at it. And we have to understand that there's going to be seasons in our life where God is just going to disqualify us from things because he's trying to put his hedge of protection over us. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. There are moments that in the season of us going through the moments of disqualification, we're going to feel like we're alone, but we have to realize that no matter what we go through, he is there with us. He is walking alongside of us. Another thing that we have to realize in this story is that there was something super pivotal, and it was the second thing that we have to look at is that his protection doesn't require your words. His protection doesn't require your words. And for someone who's a professional talker, <laughs> that can be very hard. Because we're in this system and we're in this society and we have this notion that if we stay silent, we're chumps, right? 
that if we stay silent, then we, we, we went ahead and we went with what they said, that we agree with what people are saying, that we agree with what society or the enemy is saying against us. But what we have to realize is when God is protecting you, he's not requiring you to speak. He's requiring you to be silent. Exodus chapter 14 verse 14 says, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. He says he will fight for you, but all you have to do is be quiet. But do you know how hard it is to be quiet? I'm preaching to myself here because it is me and Lee right here. <laughs> right? I went through a season in my life where um, the whole, we were going through something in our church. And I wanted so bad as a pastor to bring corrective measure. And then as a person, I wanted to bring petty measures. Do you know what I'm saying? Right? Can I be real with you guys a little bit? Right? Do you know what corrective and petty measures are? Like, corrective measures, like, this is what the Bible says, but then I'm also going to add my two cents that the Holy Spirit never said, but I just have to say it because it's, you ain't going to catch me. You're going to catch me outside if we keep going at this, right? But I'm being real with you guys, right? I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> and literally, I started praying about it, and the Holy Spirit kept, the Holy Spirit kept telling me, I need you to be quiet. And I'm like, nah, B, that's not you. I'm going to rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Holy Spirit kept telling me, I need you to be quiet. I went to the retreat. The Holy Spirit was like, I still need you to be quiet. And I'm like, uh, that didn't come by prophecy and the Bible says to examine every prophecy so I'm going to examine this one too I'm going to put it up on the shelf I still kept till the moment that I have a dream and in the dream I see a huge tall man and that man says my name is Holy Spirit I'm telling you to be quiet and I woke up and I was like okay Lord you telling me to be quiet I'm going to be quiet <laughs> right because it is so hard for us to be quiet because sometimes we feel like the Lord's protection is taking a long time. Or sometimes we feel like we have to add on to what they're saying because we don't want people to take advantage of us. But if we're called to live like Christ, that shouldn't matter to us. Right? We have to deny ourselves and we have to allow him to continually live in us. And part of him continually living in us is him allowing him to protect us as well. And his protection doesn't look like your protection. Because while you're used to street protection, he's used to universal protection. The second thing that we need to realize is that the good shepherd, he heals. Right? He heals. That's so important for us to know is that he heals. We get to the scene and after he goes ahead and he, the, the, the people go ahead and, and the Bible says that the men go and they throw away their, their stones. They put them down and he tells the woman, woman, who's um, accusing you? Um, and she says, no one. And he goes, go ahead and sin no more. And she continues to go. And he goes on his way. And he goes, starts teaching. And the Bible says that he finds along the way a man who had been blind. But not just blind. He had been blind from birth. The Bible says that he goes and he heals this man. But he heals this man in a way that's kind of like, 
as a germaphobe and in a COVID society is like, I don't need this kind of miracle today, you know? <laughs> he spits on the ground, he takes the mud, he puts it over his eyes, he tells them to go ahead and bathe in, in this muddy water and the man is healed. Now, the man goes ahead and he presents himself back to the temple because he was near the temple. And the Bible says that the Pharisees begin to interrogate him. And they interrogate him and they're super upset and they're interrogating the man who was once blind. And they knew that the man was blind before birth, yet they were upset that the man got healed. See, now when Jesus comes and he comes back and he finds the man, they find that the Pharisees start interrogating him too. And Jesus makes a very important question to the Pharisees. And he says, are you upset that I've healed him or are you upset that I've healed him on the Sabbath? See, there are people that are going to be upset with the timing of your healing. There are people that are going to be so upset with the timing of your healing because they think that it's their timing, that they've been waiting in the cup for so long, and they see that God is doing something in your favor, and they don't understand that favor isn't fair, right? Favor isn't like a token when you go to an Italian deli. Do you guys have Italian delis over here? Yeah, okay. When you go to an Italian deli, you get a ticket, and they're like, 182, 182, where 182 at? 182 is not coming. 183 is going to come right and take your hoagie from you, right? But that's not God's healing. That's not how God moves. God does things because he wants to, when he wants to, because he loves us, and he favors us, and he knows the timing that we need to have it. See, this man had been born blind, and the Pharisees knew that he had been born blind. So they didn't have an issue with the blindness. They had an issue with the timing of the miracle. See, there are going to be people that are going to be upset, not that God has done something with you, but where he's done it with you at, at the place that he's done it with you at, with the people that he's done it with you at, at the timing that he's done it with you at, at the city that he's done it with you at, connected to who that he's done it with you at. What you have to understand is that his healing will bring a new revelation. The revelation that his healing brought was not only that he's a good shepherd and that he heals, obviously, but that he can heal on a Sabbath, that he is not constrained to time. See, we're so used to giving God time. God, if you don't do this in 30 days, if you don't do this today, if I don't hear from you today, if, I, if you don't speak to me after service, if the pastor don't speak to me by the end of the week, we, we're so constrained by time that God is showing us, I'm not bound by time to do what I'm going to do with you. I'm not bound by time to do what I'm going to do with your household. The other thing is, he goes ahead and he tells them, the issue here is, is not that there was a blindness, but that there was a spiritual blindness. And he then begins to speak to them about a spiritual blindness. See, spiritual blindness will make you jealous of your neighbor's victory. 
Spiritual blindness will have you in, in a stage where everyone else is in revival and you're in the back like, well, I don't feel nothing. They're faking it. Spiritual blindness will have you in a, in, in a place where you don't realize and you don't take advantage of the atmosphere or everything that's going on. See, the Pharisees saw that he was blind from birth. That didn't matter to them. What mattered to them was not that he got healed, it was just the day that he got healed. So we have to be extremely careful with that, and especially as we go and we see that as we're proclaiming Christ and who he is, that we always know that he is going to heal no matter what, irregardless of what we feel about a situation or irregardless of what we feel about a person, God is going to do what he wants to do because he is sovereign. See, and the third thing is that the good shepherd leads you. The good shepherd leads you. So we see that this woman caught in adultery, she's no longer going ahead. and She, she went ahead and she's no longer sinning. This man who was blind, he goes ahead and he's healed. The Pharisees come to him twice. They still don't understand. So then he begins to speak to them, and he begins to tell them this parable, and he tells them, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. Now, remember in the beginning when I was speaking about how I'm preaching this message on Pastor's Day because pastor and shepherd are synonymous to each other. And maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not a sheep, right? But spiritually speaking, Jesus used many analogies or many different typologies to symbolize who we were to him. And one of the greatest ones is when he's talking about uh, these 100 sheep, and how out of the hundred sheep that he's caring for, one of them decides to run away. And it's one of my favorite passages. And the Bible says that Jesus says, and he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one that's missing. Right? And he goes to look for it. And it's such a beautiful picture and symbolism of Jesus and his love for us that he's so willing that even though he has a majority, he's willing to leave the majority for the minority. Right? He's so willing to leave the majority for the minority. So anytime you feel like a minority, anytime you feel like less than, anytime you feel like you're not enough, anytime you feel like you're the only one, you have to remember he left the 99 for the one. But the, the thing is, is that sheep are very keen. Sheep, if you study sheep, you know that sheep, they know they can recognize voices very well. Two things about sheep. They can recognize voices very well, and their vision, they have 300-degree vision. 
So when Jesus is saying, and the master goes in front of them, or the shepherd goes in front of them, at the beginning, I was like, this makes no sense. Why would a shepherd go in front of his flock when we're seeing pictures of Jesus and his sheep? He's always like all the way in the back and the sheep in the front. Well, I realized... And I started studying sheep is that sheep have 300 degree vision and they are able to see their prey from behind them. And the only thing that they follow, their ears have this way, their sonar waves, that their ears are able to hear sounds that are in front of them clearly. So when Jesus is t saying that he is the good shepherd and that he will go in front and lead, it's because he's saying that he will speak and you will follow. And the more that he speaks and you follow, no matter what prey comes to you, because you're now a sheep, the enemy can't come behind you because you're able to see him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you're hearing the master. Not only does he say that, he also says, because at the same time, sheep have to be gathered into a flock, right? Sheep have to be gathered, and they're gathered, and at night, uh, what the shepherds would do is they would put them back into, like, their little farm or shed thing, and there was a gate. And usually what would happen is people would try to come and take the sheep at night and go and jump the gate, or wolves would try and come and jump the gate. So what shepherds would actually do is not only would they go ahead and they would rub themselves, their coats, in between the wool of their sheep. So they began to smell like their sheep. See, Hebrews chapter 14, 4 verse 15 says, um, for we do not have a high priest who does not understand our weaknesses, but in everything was tempted. He smells like us. He understands us. He's gone through what we've gone through. So they would go and the sheep, what the shepherd would do is they would go and they would place themselves in front of the gate and block themselves. So they would place themselves between the prey and the sheep and they would become the door. So that while they were sleeping, while their sheep were sleeping, anytime a prey would try to come, even though they smelled like sheep, they weren't sheep. They were able to overtake the one that would come to try and devour their sheep. But he says something important. He says, I am the gate or I am the door. See, it is important for you to realize that when Jesus is leading you, not only do you allow him to lead you, not only do you allow him to have his vision, you also have to allow him to be the door in your life. Because him being the door in your life means that there is a protection that he is placing in your life. That anyone who tries to come in to devour, he will not allow them to come in. Amen. Anyone that tries to come in to take whatever they think that they can take, he will not allow them to get in. He will place his life before you in order to go ahead and save you. But we have to make sure that we realize that he is the gate. Not only is he the gate, he, as he leads you, he creates pathways and highways for you. We never speak about that. 
Anytime in the Old Testament when he's speaking about what Jesus was going to do, every single time about what he was going to do, every single time there is always a prophecy about him creating waters in the desert. Him creating something where there was a dry and wasteland. Are we going to go through seasons where they feel like dry and wasteland? Yes. But when we allow him to lead us, he creates the pathways and highways for us. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 18 says, I will open up rivers for them on the high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of waters. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. See, God is trying to do something new in this house. And what people declared a dried wasteland, God is bringing water into this house. And I'm saying it as a way so that you can understand that God is a God and Christ is alive and he still continuously speaks to us. And as I was praying over this house, getting ready to speak this message, I I could just hear the Holy Spirit telling me, There's a change that's continually coming into this house. And I heard uh, uh, the Holy Spirit saying, just get ready, because not only is the prophetic going to be manifested in this house, but I hear the sound of miracles in this house as well. And I heard God saying, like, this is something that your pastors have been praying for. And this is something that as you believe who Christ is, the more you believe who he is, the more he manifests himself in his ways of being. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of God. I want you guys to stand. And I've been kind of fighting with Holy Spirit to deposit this word, but if... You guys, senior pastors would allow me. I just have a word to deposit into this house. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but we believe in a God who still speaks, who meets your needs wherever you need them to be met. Amen. And um, Reuben, <laughs> um, as I was praying, I could hear, and this was actually this past week, um, The Holy Spirit gave me a word for you. And there was a verse as I was praying uh, for the word to just a download of the word. The, the, The verse that kept coming to my mind... Uh, that kept coming to my mind at first was, from hearing I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Right? 
And I love that verse. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, what? well, that's a great verse. Thank you. But why are you giving me that verse for Reuben? And Holy Spirit began to tell me that um, there, is, there is a connection that God is about to bring into your sermon. I mean, there's a power that's about to flow down from heaven from where from you had heard about miracle signs and wonders where now you're about to see the miracle signs and wonders coming from your hands, said the spirit of God. And God says, I used the season of you being an atheist for your benefit because I needed your unbelief to be so deep and grounded so that I can ground your faith even deeper. Uh, but also there is, there is a people that I'm calling you for. And, and I hear the, whole, the spirit of God saying a very specific and the word is peculiar people that are just like you that are just like you. And I hear the spirit of God saying the, the, the scientific and the, the psychology side of it, I'm going to join it with the healing side. But first there are things that I have to heal inside of you so that you can manifest the healing out of you. And I heard the spirit of God saying the healing will pour out of your pores. And you no longer will be like that verse says from hearing I had heard of you. Now you will go to my eyes have seen you. But I also heard the Lord say, um, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but that Ro, Pastor Ro, you have to begin to train him because in the future, and we're speaking about a later on future, um, he will be the first campus pastor that comes out of this house. And I know that there's fear there, and I know that you feel like, um, well, why? I just want to be attached to my brother. But the Lord is saying where I'm taking you, the people that I'm taking you for, and the, the people and what I have to do for this house, Kuhau cannot stay stuck in Staten Island. So I have to remove you and place you to a different campus in a different place. God says there, there's people that are already attaching to him and seeing him as like a senior leader. And that's for a specific reason. And that's for a specific season because I'm beginning to equip him and the team that will go with him, says the Lord. But Lisa, I also heard the spirit of God say two years. You've been asking me how long will I be at my job? And the Lord says two years. Two years, this will be your last two years, and I will make a way where there is no way financially, says the Lord. Where there is no way financially, I will make a way in this house, says the Lord. But you have to believe what I'm doing with you. God says in those prophecies that are stored up in your heart, you have to begin to declare them. I saw you like a lioness just roaring, wanting to roar out. And the spirit of the Lord was like, her spirit is trying to roar out prophetically over this house. But you have to begin to do it. It's not when you're ushered. You just have to begin to do. You have to begin to do. God says, this is not the season to ask me for permission. This is the season to go ahead and step and do in what I've called you to do. See, there are prayers that your husband has stored up in me, in me, in me, that they'll only be answered through you. Do you understand?
I heard the Lord say, I'm going to attach people to this house. <laughs> Pastor Roll, that people are going to call you heretical for placing them on the altars and platforms. God says, you're up for the challenge. You're up for the challenge. You're up for the challenge. I hear the Lord saying, this is a house of second, third, fourth, and fifth opportunities. This is, this is a house where ministries that have been declared dead come back to life. John, don't forget. Do not forget. Do not forget. Because when he is launched out, you and me have to be together in what I've called you to do. It's not just her. It's not just her. That responsibility will also fall on you. And God says, and stop saying that you're not smart enough to speak my word. Stop saying that you're illiterate in speaking my word. Stop saying that you're too ghetto, that you can't speak enough, that you just don't look the part. I made you that way. Do you understand? Because the people that I'm bringing to this house have an itching for your word. God says, and your pastors and may have told you, and you've been like, no, no, I still need to. No, 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 th th this is your time. Everything that you've gone through is for a reason, and this is the reason for it. It's not just to volunteer. It's not just to help around. It's to ascend higher to the higher calling that I'm giving you. God says, and don't worry about the financial situation of your house because I am placing you as head of your household as you do my will. Do not, do not, do not, do not worry. I feel the spirit of God just moving, moving, moving in this place. If you're on the fence about being in this house, This is not the time. This is the time to dive in deep into this house. If there's anyone that is on the fence about being in this house and feels like they want today to join and be a part of this house and say, I joined this house, I want you to come up. I want you to come up. question is not whether can I do it or when can I do it. It's do you believe that I can do it?
is Jesus, ruler of everything. Right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare, my God. I declare a, a prayer of blessing over this house, my God, in the name of Jesus. I declare marriages restored, relationships restored, purpose found in the name of Jesus. My God, let this be a place of healing and encounter in the name of Jesus. Father God, we come against every negative word, everything that the enemy tried to strip it. Father God, we bring it back, Father God, and we declare your word above it all right now in the name of Jesus. We declare your sovereignty above it all. In the name of Jesus, we declare it, Lord. We thank you for this time, Lord. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.